Grab your libations. No water here. I'll take two fingers of larceny. Your finest craft beer, barkeep. Cheers, everyone, and welcome to the Unfiltered Gentlemen. No matter how you take your hooch, we've got something ice cold and on tap. Now, serving it to you straight and unfiltered, here are Greg, Scott, and Dan. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Unfiltered Gentlemen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. I am Greg. The other gentlemen are off on assignment today doing some very important beer research. I'm down in San Diego on a bit of a road trip making a stop in North Park, which is one of the big hot spots for breweries in San Diego. I'm at Epig Brewing. That's E-P-P-I-G. It's 3052 El Cajon Boulevard, Suite C, the first and original location for Epic Brewing. I'm being joined by Stephanie Epic and Nathan Stevens, co-owner and brewer. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for coming in. Before we get too deep into anything, let's get some introductions and background info covered. Stephanie, you're one of the co-owners here. Uh, what is your main role here at the brewery? Yes, uh, my last name is Epig, uh, which is the name of our brewery. My family had breweries in the 1800s back in Brooklyn, New York. And I was fortunate enough to meet Nate and Clayton, um, who are two brewers and business partners, um, to resurrect the family business. Yeah, through my internet stalking, you guys have quite the history, especially with that name and brewing can you give us kind of a, a cool background of what you guys did? Sure. So Epig is a German name, and Leonard Joseph and Henry Epig emigrated from Germany in the 1850s. They learned how to brew in New York City with their uncle and opened Leonard Epig Germania Brewery in Brooklyn. They started out by brewing nothing but lagers, um, and that's really the inspiration behind our lager series. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. And um, then what... Did they go through prohibition or? Unofficially, <laughs> yes. That wouldn't be the official story. Uh, they got involved with a gentleman named Gangster Dutch Schultz oh. uh, who pushed the beer underground during prohibition. Um, and unfortunately, that is also the reason that the family was rumored to lose the brewery in the 1935. So a, a gentleman of questionable morals, maybe? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> That's very cool, though. So after that, it was the name lost as far as a brewery is concerned? It was until we opened in 2016. So this is the first instance of it since right the brewery, The physical brewery survived for a few decades like in through consolidation. I want to say it was like Schlitz and Paps and oh, a, really? bunch, a bunch of other stuff throughout the years before what, ni- in the 1970s it was like the building eventually totally yeah. or it was raised and now it's like partially a public school or it's something. It's a public school right now. That's so cool. Yeah. Have you been back to the um, building at all? I have, and my husband went back a few years ago when we were opening the brewery here uh-huh. to take photos, and that's when we learned that the building was no longer there. So it was originally located at 24 George Street, which is out in Bushwick. That's so cool. Is there anything remaining of the original brewery? Not that we could tell, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you have uh, some original documents, right? We do. We have original documents. We have the original glass bottles that they use to you know, cool. package the beer. We have some of the porcelain bottle caps still. And um, every once in a while, you'll see our Eagle artwork pop up. And that was the original logo on the bottles in the 1800s. That's so awesome. I love all the cool old history. 
Any recipes left over from then? Or? We don't use those recipes. We don't have our hands on them, but they, I mean, Nate can speak to us a little bit more. They brew true to styles. I mean, we have some interpretations, yeah, but no like physical old recipes. But I mean, I have an idea of what they were using to make beer back then, and we have a lot better raw materials on our hands <laughs> than they did. <laughs> it probably wasn't real... Uh, creative back then yeah, either as kinda, far as the recipes that era was a lot of use what you could get yeah yeah just create some alcohol yeah <laughs> yeah um, all right let's talk about your background where did you start brewing or when did you start brewing so i went to uc san diego and that's how i ended up in san diego originally from northern california and i went to school for structural engineering and became a bridge designer civil structural engineer and and practiced for seven or eight years. Wow. I, re- I knew I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life. During that time, this is the early 2000s, uh, the San Diego craft beer scene was kind of really taken off yeah. with a lot of really cool options. Like I lived close to the Solana Beach Pizza Port oh, nice. location. And so like Bagby and Tommy Arthur were going through there. And so it was a lot of like eye-opening stuff happening. During that time, I started to get into, get the itch for homebrewing you know, really, really kind of explored that for a number of years. And it's funny, kind of, it's kind of a rabbit hole. Once you start with the home brewing, then all of a sudden you you start getting interested in like, oh, what ingredients am I going to use to cook right. with tonight and things like that. And so it just, it never really stops. And then it kind of culminated for me in, I want to say it was about 2011. I came home one day from my job and, and told my wife that I literally said a little part of my soul dies every day that I go to work. <laughs> And she, she was just like, what the hell do you want me to say to that? <laughs> like, so she's been very, very supportive. And, of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but honestly, through like a lot of hard work and being in the right place at the right time, I've kind of forged my path. And so what I did was kind of went to the biggest 10 breweries in San Diego and, you know, dropped off resumes, asked if there's anything you could do to help and just kind of how a lot of people's stories get started. Yeah. So washing kegs. It, totally. And so eventually I ended up uh, getting hired part time at Ballast Point to work on the bottling line. OK. And uh, that's actually where I met Clayton, uh, the, our, our other partner. And shortly thereafter, I, I had also been accepted into the, the UC Davis Master Brewers program. So in January of 2013, uh, I took off to Davis, um, completed the program got my diploma brewers from the Institute of Brewing and Distilling and uh, came back and then got tasked with opening the Little Italy R&D location uh, okay. for Ballast Point and then worked there for the next three years uh, and really kind of had the, the job that every every home brewer who's like, maybe I should be a brewer, <laughs> like right. I actually had that job where I, I just got to brew a different time, a batch of beer every single time, new recipe, new ingredients, all kinds of fun stuff. Right. So you weren't working on like the Sculpin line every day. It was, Not anymore. Yeah. Kind of... So it was, it, then I got to really kind of just do the fun stuff. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot of uh, crap about Ballast Point selling out and stuff. Yeah. And we went to their, their brewery recently and I was very surprised that like, you know, I, I can't stand all the fruity stuff. But they had some German stuff on tap that was surprisingly phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you had your hand in any of that stuff. Uh, there's a good chance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we brewed like 350 unique recipes while I was there. So, nice. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the new stuff I definitely had my hands in and a lot of, uh, you know, just kind of stuff you'll see every so often that pops back up from time to time. Yeah, it was very cool. All right, before we uh, move any further down the questions, why don't you start us off here on this beautiful flight we have? We're going to start with our uh, Epic Special Lager, which is this one right here. So it's our take on 
what used to be just a macro-style beer. So it's a Japanese dry-style lager. It's Pilsner malt mainly, and then we actually use uh, a, a bit of rice. And when, when a larger brewing company uses rice, it's specifically mostly to lighten the body. Right. But we use it not only to lighten the body, but it actually has a flavor component to the beer in a really pleasant way. And so we also added a larger whirlpool, like a late hop addition to the beer of Centennial hops. So it's kind of got a nice citrus note that mm. goes with the rice. So it almost has like a light floral kind of starchy sushi rice yeah. aroma to it, but then just super clean, super light. Definitely the beer I keep uh, going back to during the summertime. Oh, yeah, very summery. I was thinking as I took a sip, like, this could go so well with sushi. Like, it's yep. it's perfect. It's nice and light, and that little hop on the end has a clean kind of citrusy finish to it, and this is fantastic. So a theme you're going to see through pretty much our entire board, and something that means a lot to me, is having uh, balance in your beers. So a lot of our beers are something that... I want people to not only be able to enjoy a pint of, but then want to go back and have another pint. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of got a lot of, I got my, my kicks at my last job doing the like explosively flavorful right. beer that tastes awesome in a flight. But then he's like, well, that's what next, what's next? You know, yeah, I can't have a whole pint of that. So that's... a lot of this, a lot of our beers kind of revolve around balance and being really drinkable and enjoyable and not like palate fatigue, like just, you know, killing you. Yeah. <laughs> And Stephanie, what kind of role do you play in the recipe? Are you like telling them what to do or? Not at all. Um, <laughs> that I think is something that's really special about Epic. Clayton and Nate have complete control and decision-making power about what's going into the brew house and what's going into the tanks, how the beer is being named. Um, and I think that that really gives it that authenticity. It's straight from the brewer's voice. We try to be thoughtful about like what types of beers we're trying to put out during certain seasons and, and things like that as well. Uh, and to go back to the balance thing, like a lot of our food, and you were saying this would go really well with sushi, like we, when I'm making a recipe, I, I am thinking about like, how is this going to pair with food? Like, it, it's a big part of the experience for me is, is it does it play well with others? Yeah. And one of the things you said really resonated with me, which is we want you to want to have another one. I had never heard of Epic. And about a year ago, we were down here. I was at uh, Petco Park for a ball game. And outside they did this craft beer day. Which like, hell yeah, that's awesome. Let's go do that. Let's go do the game. And I saw Epic as one of the, the stands over there. We went over and tried it, and it was phenomenal. So then we came to the brewery, like, well, let's see if all of them are good. And, and they were. We were very pleasantly surprised. So good job on that. Did I see somewhere that you had a barbecue business? I, you know, I did. Um, so obviously, I was never totally settled with engineering because I was doing the barbecue thing on the side with one of my actual my colleagues in my engineering firm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a super fun little side project called uh, Red Star Barbecue. And my, my partner's name is Vladimir Lankovsky. Oh, jeez. And he's the 13th Vladimir Lankovsky of his fam family lineage. Only his dad doesn't have the Vladimir name. His name is Keith. How funny. <laughs> but anyway. His so, grandpa's like, it stops here. Yeah, so we kind of, the name comes on a riff from that. And it was it was really fun. And, it, and we were actually in a bunch of uh, like kind of restaurants and bars around town. Mm. It's it's funny to say, but the business kind of died the day of the uh, the PB beer ban on the beach because we used to kind of go down and put a couple kegs on the sand and do like a big barbecue and oh, yeah. all that stuff and and sell some bottles out of the trunks of our cars and things like that. But between that and then uh, my partner got a good promotion and lost a little bit of interest in it. Right. We always kind of kept it in the back pocket, but just you know experimenting with the ingredients and and being creative is always something that I've been drawn to. 
Apparently, that's pretty cool. Stephanie, what's kind of your your day-to-day role at the brewery? It's all over the place. Um, My main role is the marketing and the branding side of things. Um, But now that we have our second location down on the waterfront in Point Loma, uh, there's a lot of back and forth and working with our tasting room manager to make sure that the operations are running smoothly at both locations as well. It's a lot of fun, though, um, because our, our routine isn't a routine. It's so different every day um, from working with Clayton and Nate, planning the the beer releases and the events. Um, you really get to stay on your toes and drink a lot of great beer along the way. Yeah, that can't be too bad. What was your um, day job before owning a brewery? Totally different. Um, I worked in the automotive industry oh. um, up at Toyota headquarters in Torrance before they relocated to Texas. Uh, so I was a brand manager for the advanced technology vehicles, Prius, Prius Prime, Mirai. Um, so really working in a completely different yeah. field, but you can apply a lot of the same marketing strategies to what we're doing. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. What do you think has made Epic so successful this far? I mean, you've already got a second location, which you mentioned, and anybody that I know that's tried is like, oh my God, it's so good. First and foremost, I think it comes back to the beer and what we're doing in-house and and the quality. Everything that Nate and Clayton are putting out is so excellent, um, and it is so approachable that we're able to attract a lot of non-beer drinkers or more casual beer drinkers. And especially down at the waterfront, we get a lot of tourists, people that have never heard of us and they're discovering us for the first time. Mm -hmm. And to be able to sit there, educate them, share, you know, one of our loggers or something like civility with them and, and to see them bring people back the next day has been really great. Yeah. And I mean, it's very approachable, even if you're one of those macro beer people. I mean, that first one is, is so easy to drink. Anybody can drink that, even if you're not a huge yeah, beer Yeah, it's lover. taking something familiar and then, you know, maybe turn the volume up a little bit yeah. here and there, but, you know, not, not so much that it then becomes scary. Yeah, not too uh, pinkies up, yeah. if you will. Um, all right, let's, let's move down the line to the next one. Sure. This is Civility San Diego Summer Ale. It's a beer that's kind of a, a hybrid of a few ideas. So it's it lives somewhere between like a West Coast Blonde and a Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. Real light, clean, easy drinking body, but then it's dry hopped uh, with some nice lemony citrus hops. So it's it's something that really speaks to the San Diego beer drinker's palate. So it's it's something you can have a few of, but still, you know, get your hop fix yeah. and, not, and not be too bitter. And what's ABV on it? Five and a half. Yeah, nice and light. I mean, it feels like a like a blonde. You know, it's got that yeah. mouthfeel of a blonde, but that nice little dry hop at the end cleans it up and, uh, yeah, keeps you satisfied if you're into the hops. Yeah. This is the first beer we ever brewed at Epic, mm. the very yep. first recipe that they brewed. And uh, the recipe is painted on the wall in our beer garden oh, for cool. any home brewer to geek out on. Nice. Try it at home. Mm-hmm. And have you altered the recipe since the first time, or is it exactly the same? The one thing we had to change was that our malt provider changed from 50-pound bags to 55-pound bags. So we had to change a couple of tweaks just right. to make it work. But other than that, it's it stayed the same. That's so cool. What do you consider your biggest success here at Epic? It's a great question. <laughs> uh, I guess what I would say is just being... Uh, true to myself, going out on my own from leaving a, a much larger brewery and saying like, I'm, we're going to start a business and I'm going to brew the beers I want to make. And hopefully people will drink them. Like we've totally stuck to that and we don't compromise in any way with, with what we make. And like, I mean, I don't have 
I'm not a hazy IPA advocate. Um, I'm not, I'm, I, I totally get it, but yeah. you're not going to find them on our board just because that's not what we like to drink. If you're looking for that, you're probably not going to find it here, but we got a lot of other interesting stuff. And so uh, I think that might be one of the reasons why we've had success is that people people can, can see that. And we have a obvious point of view when you look at and taste our beers. Yeah. What do you think has been the... It, I think is along the same lines of really... Um, making a name for ourselves based on the styles that we wanted to brew and not trying to follow a trend or keep up with everything that's going around. There's so many fantastic breweries in San Diego and all across California. Um, and it's really easy to get caught up in, oh, we have to brew this style or this brewery just had this can release. And we're so small, it's difficult for us to even can product here. Yeah. Um, we only have one canned beer right now, 1045 to Denver. And so to be able to experience the success and to really make a name for ourselves without packaged product is something I think we're really proud of. Yeah. And, and if people want you know, Stone IPA, they'll go to Stone. They don't need to come have your knockoff of Stone IPA or whatever it is. So it's really cool. And there's not a lot of, uh, you know, light beers in San Diego. So it's kind of yeah. cool to stand alone with that. What have been some of the snags since opening up the brewery? I think our space is a huge one yeah. for us. Uh, we'll take you around the corner in a little bit and show you. There are three stairs okay. that every single keg has to go up and down oh, geez. to go from the production area into the cold box or back out to the truck to get delivered to one of our accounts or down to Point Loma. Um, it's a tiny, tiny space. Yeah. Um, not which, only small, but also inconvenient as yeah. well, you know, not so that's that's definitely been our uh, biggest obstacle is is just we use a lot of time and resources on things you wouldn't normally have to think about, like just kegging like we did right before you guys got here. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of extra steps to get it in out of the building onto a truck nor- more than you normally would. Like you'd usually just have the kegs on a pallet already, forklift them out, but not the case here. Right. <laughs> We're sitting where we staged the kegs this morning. Yeah, when we walked in, we had to move some tables back into the <laughs> yeah. tasting room, and there's a little wet in here. Yeah, you talk about the, the space, and it is small. It's also kind of a unique... Talk about what, what's going on here. There are three different brew houses in mm-hmm. the same building, which is really awesome. And I think one of the reasons we love North Park, within a mile, there's about 15 different breweries. Um, we're actually launching an official Boulevard Ale Trail where um, it's a map and it just helps guide you on a walking tour between yeah. the breweries here. And this is a unique model where our landlord built out the brew houses and the equipment is in Included with our lease. So our goal and our vision is to move into our own larger production brew house. It's almost like an incubator space mm-hmm. where the goal is to move on to something bigger. Yeah, see if you can do it, get a name, and then kind yeah. of move on. So we're working on that right now. We've been working on it for a while, and we're hoping to have a larger production facility sometime next year. So does everybody in this space, there's three breweries, does everybody have their own equipment, or are you guys sharing mm-hmm. equipment? Every, they're all independent suites. Okay. The only thing we share is uh, a forklift. Okay, forklift in a parking lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. And is there any sort of timeline as to getting your own production facility, or just when it happens? Uh, well, I mean, I I will say we're actively working on it. Okay, but there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, I bet <laughs> a lot of money. Um, has it been cool having neighbors this close? Or absolutely. Okay, having that draw of uh, 
let's say someone's coming from out of town and be like, oh, I heard there's this spot where there's three breweries right in a row in the same building. That's a that, that's definitely helpful. Yeah, you know, and and gives everyone a chance to kind of find what they like because uh, between us and our neighbors, we definitely, you know, we're all making. Uh, beer, or in, in our new neighbor's case, uh, uh, hard kombucha. Like, there's something for everybody. Yeah, we came here, you know, for you guys a year ago to, to find, and then we found, you know, two. Yeah. Other, I think at the time, the one on the end was a brewery still. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, we get to treat, try three all at once. This is great. Um, how much, we talked about the small production facility. How much beer are you guys putting out annually? I think this year it'll be around 1,200 barrels. It could be stretched a little bit more if we weren't brewing as many lagers. Yeah, um, yeah that takes a while. So that definitely limits the the volume that we can push through. It does, and because of the the way, like we said, like, or like Stephanie said, with the space, how we actually don't own the equipment, we don't have room to increase capacity either. Here. Sure. So we're kind of it's just it is what it is, and and we can make what we can make with what we've been given. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the other brewer, Clayton, who's mm-hmm. not here today. How are your guys' roles different from each other? So I kind of take charge of the the day-to-day brewing operation, the scheduling, uh, the ordering, um, all of that. And then on a brew day, so uh, yesterday, like for work production, we have to brew twice to fill up a fermenter. So okay. Clayton comes in about 5 a.m., and then I'll come in between 9.30 and 10 and kind of tag off. And then we'll be wrapped up somewhere between 3 and, and 5 p.m. Okay. So he helps with all the word production. Every time we're kegging, he's helping kegging. Um, and then, honestly, anytime there's any anything I need help with as well. Um, and then he's also basically the lead on uh, distribution and sales as well. So everybody wears a bunch of different hats. A lot of hats. Yeah. Like Steph said earlier, it's it's a different day every day. Yeah. Keeps it fun. It's yeah. fun to watch the two of them together because I would say Nate is more of the chef and the artist, um, but Clayton also has some really great commercial production experience. And when you put the two of them together, they make tweaks to recipes and they're throwing out naming ideas for the beers back and forth all the time. Clayton is tall and commanding and is the bearded brewer and then <laughs> you have the beardless brewer yeah. sitting here with us and and it's really cool to see them work together and they it's it really is like the bottling line early days yeah i mean when you spend eight hours a day standing next to someone you become fast friends right and uh hopefully yeah exactly and if, <laughs> if, if you do if you don't you don't but if yeah. you do you find out um, – so, like, we have a lot of the same sensibilities and, and like the same things as far as beers and beer styles go. So it makes it really easy. It's more just, like, uh, nuance and, and kind of, you know, what, what tweaks to make. And yeah. Like, so when I went off and got to, to play around with, like, the small batch stuff, he was actually the one who was making Sculpin every day. Oh, and so okay. we come – we started at the same spot, diverged, but then came back together with, you know, enhanced skill sets that complement each other. Sure. All right, before we move on, what's uh, what's next in line here? Uh, this is 1045 to Denver. This is, this is the one that's in cans. This is the one in cans. This is uh, We sell the most of, of this one right here, and it's, uh, it's a really cool beer because I like to say that it, it has its roots in kind of what made San Diego famous as a beer city, so it's got kind of that nice orange hue to it. It's a mosaic and cascade dry hopped IPA, so okay. it's got some of that new that new danky mosaic that everybody likes, and it's it's, right. it's an awesome hop. But on its own, mosaic can be, um, for lack of a better word, too mosaic y for me. 
It's true. Uh, so if you, you cut can it, definitely overdo it. Yeah. So if you cut it with some that classic Cascade, a little bit of pine, a little bit of like pithy grapefruit, mm-hmm. uh, it really sings. So this is a beer that uh, put a lot of thought into as far as like the roots of where it comes from, but it's also very forward thinking as far as like a contemporary West Coast IPA goes. Yeah, you definitely get like the pine and the dank on the nose. Then as you drink it, you get a little of that that pine forest, but it's not too much. Yep. And then it kind of follows up with that tropical, so not tropical, citrusy people, people get a little scared off just because everyone wants, you know, zero, zero malt residual flavor right. in their beers now. But like this beer finishes super dry, mm-hmm. it's, it, but even though it has a little bit of color on it. So it, it's, it's nice because some people come in with an expectation seeing a, a pint glass filled with an orange IPA and, oh, this is going to be malty and right. super bitter and whatever. But no, it's balanced. It's dry. No, it's pretty clean. Really drinkable. Leaves a little bit of a hot pine on the tongue, mm-hmm. uh, but overall really easy to drink. What's the uh, the IBUs and the ABV? Uh, it's it's seven percent, and then it's fifty IBUs. So IBUs are, I, I mean, talk to every brewer, and they have a different opinion on <laughs> IBUs, right? Well, now, now they don't matter because nobody puts hops in the yeah, beginning of the and, boil. Yeah, you know, and, part of the equation really is uh, a major part of the equation is how how dry is the beer. So mm-hmm. if that beer finished at like ten thirteen or or three Plato, mm-hmm. the fifty IBUs, you'd be like, this beer is very sweet. Right. Uh, this this beer finishes at like one and a half Plato. Okay. At one point oh oh six, and so fifty IBUs is Very just dry. enough to balance it and add the nice little lingering bitterness on your tongue. You have to think about all that stuff when you're putting a beer together. Like when you, when something says fifty, sixty, seventy IBUs, well, that's not the entire story. Yeah, exactly. Or you could have a hundred IBU double IPA, but because it's double, it's got more booze. Yeah, it's balanced yeah. out and it's not crazy hoppy and, and bitter. If you guys weren't here running a craft brewery, what would your day jobs be? Like outside of the beer industry completely? Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, stay at home dad? <laughs> no, uh, it, it would probably, I would probably be doing something like in barbecue would be my guess. Nice. People ask me if I still home brew, right? And it's, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> this is my job. This is what I'm doing every day, all day long. So when I go home, the way I relax and my version of home brewing is I, I barbecue on the weekends and, and grill. And so that's, that's my other little hobby slash passion but the nice thing about it is that it's not my it's not my profession. So it, right. so the joy is still there. And I don't get me wrong, I love brewing, and there's still joy in this. But it's being able to go home and and if I had to worry about like oh is this brisket overcooked to make myself money and make a living, <laughs> then that would the, it would not be as romantic, right? You know. <laughs> I would either be living a miserable life <laughs> with Todd in Texas, uh, which is where Toyota relocated, right. <laughs> <laughs> or I probably would have gone in back to the consulting side, which is where I started my career before I went in-house at Toyota. Um, not nearly as much fun or as much passion in, in those right. careers, much more day-to-day boring <laughs> to, to pay the bills and <laughs> to afford living in San Diego. Um, I think we're really lucky that we made conscious decisions to jump off of the cliff mm-hmm. and to follow the dream. And I mean, we've been here for a year and a half now, and it, it takes so much. And we've given up everything to be able to do this. And we're all right. so happy with the choice that we made. Yeah, I mean, it seems to have worked so far. Um, Todd, who we've mentioned, is your husband yes. and business partner. Yes. And is he full-time in the brewery also? He does is. he have a day job outside? He is probably the most behind the scenes, making sure that everything is running 
all of the HR, payroll, finance, making sure that the supplies are arriving in time for the brew days, making sure that the beer gets to our accounts and locations with Clayton. And he's integral and he's probably that piece that if you pulled it out, we'd have to figure out a lot of how to make it work without him. Um, And he's also a calming factor for everybody, which has been really great. All four of us are full time. And that's part of the reason why we're making this work. So this is this we're all in. Yeah, it's always nice when you can only have to do this. I hear so many stories of, you know, the head brewer is also the accountant down the street, and, and it just kind of spreads you thin. It, yeah, it really does. I already feel spread thin, and this is all <laughs> yeah. I have. Yeah. <laughs> the first eight months we were open, I was still full-time at Toyota just because we had to make sure that we could make it all work, and that was extremely difficult, being pulled in a million directions, but we wear so many hats here that we're still pulled in a million directions, but you know that you can rely on your partners, and, and that's been really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Complete trust and confidence in what everyone else is doing. Yeah, that, that's very nice to have. What, when you guys were little kids, what did you want to be when you grew up? That's an easy astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, from about second grade on, was saying roller coaster engineer. Oh, yeah. So I actually did do the engineering thing, and I feel like I, I, I didn't quite get there, but got pretty close. And so becoming a professional brewer is almost as good as being a roller coaster engineer. <laughs> it, it would be nice to ride them over and over again. <laughs> Love roller coasters. How did uh, working at Ballast Point prepare you for coming here to somewhere that's so much smaller? Working at Ballast Point during the time that Clayton and I worked there, we went from a 40-person company to an 800-person company. Wow. So we were part of a small company and also part of a big company during that tenure. Mm-hmm. And we were subject to making beer during a time of exponential growth. And so you learn how to make things work and you learn how to... Well, we already knew how to work hard, but you apply yourself and, and you understand what it takes to be successful. Yeah. And so we can we can definitely draw on those experiences and and apply them here in that way just from knowing that it, it really does take putting in the time and, and but not only that, being efficient with it too, like making the best use of your time. And you're probably pretty good at scaling up recipes by this point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like we always joke that the making the beer is the easiest part of this job. Yeah, it's 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 everything else that we have to worry about. Uh, you guys are in a very crowded North Park area, like I said earlier. How have the other breweries received you guys coming in and, and being fairly popular? Really well. They're very supportive. Um, there's been quite a few breweries that have opened since we opened in 2016 as well. But mm-hmm. the original breweries up and down 30th Street, um, they still recommend their guests you know, to, to head to Epic and check yeah. us out. And we do the same for them. And it's, I think it benefits everybody. Absolutely. I mean, I've mm-hmm. asked other brewers, hey, where do you think I should go? And they've recommended breweries. And I figure if a brewer is telling me, go check out this place, he's going to know what he's talking about. It's the best compliment you can receive. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I checked out Society on the on the recommendation of Matt over at Benchmark. And that it just everybody's telling everybody to go places. Um, what sets you guys apart from the other breweries in North Park? That's a good question. I mean, I guess what sets us apart and makes us different is uh, when you come here, you're really getting, as we talked about earlier, my and and Clayton's specific point of view on what we think beer should be. When I'm talking to somebody about, and they're going through, you know, flight after flight and tasting, you know, all 
12, 14, 16 beers on tap, I can, I can thread some through lines through all of them being like, when you try all of our beers, for the most part, they're going to be very balanced. They're going to be leaning to the drier side of the specific style generally. Mm-hmm. They're going to lean a little more carbonated to the specific style. And so people enjoy kind of finding those those touch points that they can relate to and, and prepare themselves for the next thing and kind of gain perspective on what we're doing. So like I said, having our specific perspective and, and what good beer is, is, is something that's really unique to us. And uh, we didn't, when we started, I, I mean, I knew we were going to do some loggers and stuff, but I didn't realize that that was going to be kind of one of the things we'd be known for. Like, and it is fairly unique, especially with our capacity that, you know, certain times a year we've had six different loggers on. And, uh, you know, Pilsner is very popular right now, and a lot of people are putting a, a Pilsner out. But, I mean, we'll have a Spickle beer and a Spots beer and a Vienna lager and a Baltic porter and all kinds of stuff, too. Love so, that. Yeah. So you can get a whole flight and more. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, we have a lot of brewers in our tasting room a lot of times because people <laughs> – it's funny. Sometimes they're like, oh, you're a brewer. You probably drink – uh, barrel-aged stouts and double IPAs all day. And it's like, I almost never drink those beers, yeah. you know? It's like, what I want is like a nice, full-flavored, you know, 4.5%. It's hard to work when you're drinking those beers. Yeah, yeah. And so the fact that we have those types of offerings, I think, uh, draws brewers to our tasting room. And then when they send us back here because they enjoy drinking our beer, it's 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 honestly the best compliment you could ever receive. Absolutely. In my opinion. Yeah. Um, what has been kind of the key to spreading the word about Epic? It's been a lot of word of mouth. Um, and, you know, we're also getting a lot of press. Um, the words certainly don't hurt, yeah. but we're not, you know, relying on anything of that nature. Um, it really has been pretty organic, spreading the word and the growth. We don't really have a marketing budget, so we have to do everything that we can to get the word out other ways. Yeah. It's literally a hole-in-the-wall location we're in right now. The brewery. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's an old defunct strip club turned brewery is it really it is yeah that's awesome yeah inspiration and the and, some uh, of the beer names yeah. so so <laughs> a, a place like uh point loma the the waterfront beer garden you know those are the type of properties that you could have an ownership that doesn't give a shit and uh, they would succeed because of the location so it's on us to to you know kind of take the trust of our patrons and provide them a great experience uh, along with that great location, and then it can be something truly special. Yeah, because that location is beautiful. It's very unique. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you were asking what sets us apart or how we stand out in North Park, I think it has to do with the personal experience. All of our beer tenders on the team are so well-educated and can really mm-hmm. tailor your tasting experience to what styles that you like, but with, you know, an introduction to our brand and our beers and behind the bar here we're so small sometimes stephanie epic is serving your beer <laughs> or the brewer is pouring your pint yeah and you don't get that at a lot of places and that's really special yeah it, it's fun and if we you know somebody comes in and has a question it's very cool to get the answer from the owner or the brewer it's you know there's definitely some passion behind that answer not just a canned you know 37 ibus yeah so very cool all right i have some rapid fire questions i'm going to ask but before we do that, let's check out our last beer here. So this last one is called Glitz and Glam, and it's a kettle soured Berliner Weiss with fermented with raspberries and cherry. Uh, the name comes from our neighbors across the street, which is a, a, a drag club called mm. uh, Lips, and their Friday night 
review is called Glitz and Glam. That's awesome. Yeah, so keeping it in the neighborhood. You know, we have anywhere from two to four sours on at any one time. And to go back to this overarching theme of balance, they're more just lightly tart and balancing. They're not going to strip the teeth, the enamel off your teeth or anything like that. But it's definitely there. Just makes it super drinkable, refreshing, good acidity, uh, something that you can drink a full pint of. Yeah, and in, uh, like you said, it's not real sour, just tart is the best way to describe it. And it's clean, too. Yeah. Like all the other beers, it's just real clean, doesn't sit on the tongue too long, doesn't uh, make you pucker as you drink it. Absolutely. Some of those are a little, you know, make you, make you have a weird face. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so I got some rapid-fire questions for you guys. We'll go down the line, we'll just go, Stephanie, Nate, Stephanie, Nate. First thing that comes to mind, uh, don't think about it too long. First beer you ever drank? It was a Corona so boring (laughs) (laughs) most people say like miller or pbr so that's that's fine uh i think it was keystone premium nice yeah college it's very cheap no well yes (laughs) (laughs) first beer you ever brewed and i don't have you ever brewed the first beer i brewed was international women's day last year oh nice and that won an award so we think the gold was the female touch yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's our most award-winning beer actually um First beer I ever brewed, I guess, was Sculpin. Okay. What about homebrew? What was your first homebrew? Yeah. Uh, it was it was the the homebrew mart West Coast Pale Ale kit. Okay. <laughs> extract. <laughs> extract. Nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everyone starts as extract. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they become professional brewers. First beer that you brewed and sold, which is probably the the coat booster. Yeah. So I would say it was Sculpin, but then for my own personal recipe. Uh, when I was at Little Italy, it would have been a, it was a milk stout. Mm. Yeah, very nice. Uh, do you prefer cans or bottles? Bottles, cans, but that's not a rapid fire answer. <laughs> but mine is because of Nate's moment of weakness: barrel aged bottle, and I could Uh-oh. I would drink that every day if we could keep it on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, bottles are more sexy, but cans are much more practical and. They don't go bad so quickly. There's no wrong answer there. Yeah. Um, all right. Favorite beer and food pairing? We did an amazing... Uh, well, Nate just put out a recipe with our Civility San Diego Summer Ale mm. and uh, marinated Civility uh, steak tacos. And we cooked it last weekend. And I have to say that he knocked it out of the park. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. Um, just as, as classic as they go, just... A brat and a fest beer. That is delicious. Um, it's Tuesday night. What are you drinking? This time of year, I'm drinking a Glitz and Glam Rattler nice. um, with the San Diego summer. Just the, the weather has been perfect to sit down by the water and have a really refreshing beverage. Mm-hmm. Probably a, a special lager and then bourbon. Nice. What is your beercation destination? Well, I'm uh, headed to the airport in about two hours to go up to Santa Rosa and hit up Russian River. Um, oh, yeah. Don't have to go too far. <laughs> it's probably, well, there's there's so many, but I'm just going to say Belgium because that was kind of one of my first eye-opening experiences that made me want to be a professional brewer. So I would say Belgium. Yeah, I get a lot of European answers mm-hmm. from the brewers. Yeah. Um, all right. What's your favorite outside non-epic beer? You have so many choices in, <laughs> in San Diego. I really love Falls Jazz Hands. Mm. Probably Sierra Nevada Bigfoot. Favorite non-beer hobby? Well, the hobbies have fallen off in the past few years, <laughs> okay. but triathlons, trying to get out there, running, biking. I did an Ironman a few years ago. Wow. If I can get the time to do that again, I would love to get back to that. That's crazy. Cooking. 
Yeah. And barbecue and cooking and barbecue. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. You guys, thank you so much. Thanks thank for you. coming. Yeah, thank you for the time. Uh, if you guys are in the San Diego area, it's 3052 El Cajon Boulevard, Suite C. That's the North Park. Or 2817 Dickens Street in San Diego. That's the Point Loma one on the water with uh, some amazing views. And it's just great. You can check them out at epicbrewing.com and on all the social medias at Epic Brewing. Did I miss anything? Nope, you got it. Fantastic. Thank you guys so much. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. A huge thanks one more time to Stephanie and Nathan and the rest of the Epic crew. Uh, had a ton of fun talking and hanging out with them and getting really nerdy about some beer. In fact, I had so much fun after the interview was over. Nate and I hung around. We talked a little more uh, nerdy beer stuff, a little 49ers action, and a whole bunch more. I do have to say the next night, I was feeling a little dehydrated. Went back in just to have some tasty adult beverages. Not only was that place jammed, but we had a bunch of fun hanging out with uh, some of the beer tenders that were on staff that we didn't meet the day before. And uh, we just partied with everyone that was there drinking. It was a freaking blast. And uh, if for some reason you need uh, some weird excuse to go check out Epic Brewing, here it is. They're having their Oktoberfest party at the North Park location on Saturday, September 8th. And once again, another Oktoberfest party, this time at the Point Loma Waterfront Beer Garden on Saturday, September 29th. That place is gorgeous. Do not miss out. Uh, so make sure you check them out. Pick up some cans at 1045 to Denver while you're there. It's literally what I'm drinking right now. You can find more at epicbrewing.com, E-P-P-I-G. And, of course, at Epic Brewing across the board on social media. As for us, the gentlemen, you can find us at the Unfiltered Gentlemen across the board, except for Twitter, at Unfiltered Gents. You can get more at theunfilteredgentlemen.com. Make sure you leave us a drrunk voicemail, 805-538-BEER-2337. And next week we have a really fun show for you guys. It's our summer beer episode where we, the gentlemen, will be reviewing our favorite beer of the summer. And we reached out to all of our friends from uh, around uh, the beer world to send us some of their beer reviews. So we've got people from all over the place sending us their summer beer reviews. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, and uh, we'll see what everyone's drinking for the summertime. So hopefully you guys are staying hydrated. Extra bonus if you're staying hydrated on some epic brewing. And on that note, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.